today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. Kind of discouraged. I want to encourage them. And I'm a fallen parent. I want to comfort them. They need to be comforted. They need to be hugged. They just need a hug and an encouraging word and a pat on the shoulder and pray with them, pray for them, and encourage them. Because you love them. Well, now let's take that and superimpose it on God's love for us. God wants to comfort us. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Most of us with kids know what Pastor J.D. is talking about, even if our kids are needy, making messes, or even do things against us. We still want the best for them and love them in spite of it all. How much more is our perfect Heavenly Father able to love us as His children? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 51 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Here he is walking in righteousness and purity before the Lord. And he even says, have I purified myself in vain? Have I done this for nothing? I mean, here's my life, and it's a constant struggle. And yet I look at the wicked, who don't even know you, who actually blaspheme you, God, and it seems like they have no problems. And they're prospering to no end. In fact, it was so bad for the psalmist, he even says that he would not talk to anyone else about it, because he didn't want to stumble them if he shared with them that he was having this crisis of faith because of the prosperity of the wicked. So he stayed away from the brothers and sisters because he didn't want to mess them up too, because he's messed up. And he says, my foot almost slipped. In other words, I almost tossed the towel in. And it wasn't until I entered the sanctuary of the Lord. That's a good place to go. And What happened when I entered the sanctuary of the Lord? The Lord showed me their end. When I saw how it ends for them, instead of being envious of them, I now felt sorry for them because this is how it ends for them. Totally changed his perspective. And that's what this is saying. When you look at what man is doing, just know that in the end, I'll have the final word. And we're going to see this at the end of the chapter. Now verse 9 is interesting. Awake, awake, put on strength, O arm of the Lord. Awake as in the ancient days. In the generations of old, are you not the arm that cut Rahab apart and wounded the serpent? Are you not the one who dried up the sea, the waters of the great deep, that made the depths of the sea a road for the redeemed to cross over? Speaking of the Red Sea crossing, that miracle. Wait, who's saying this? Oh, this is the response from God's people. And, And it's not like 
God needs to wake up. It's more like, God, remember, and it's very poetic in their response to the Lord. They're saying, Lord, remember what you did back then. We need you to do that now. Remember when you dried up the waters on dry ground and the Israelites crossed the Red Sea? You delivered them out of the hands of the Egyptians? Remember when you defeated the serpent in the garden? I mean, they they go back to the beginning. Well, we need you to do that which you did then, now. Is He not the same God yesterday, today, and forever? I think it is very appropriate when you're in a trial to reflect on all the times prior that God saved your bacon, (laughs) when God delivered you. It was the 11th hour. The Egyptians are right there, the Red Sea in front of you, the Egyptians behind you. You're like, God! And God's like, watch me now. Behold the salvation of the Lord. And He parts the Red Sea in your life. And you walk on dry ground. Oh, that's not all. The Egyptians pursue you, and He takes care of them, because then He closes the waters, and that's what He does to your enemies, to the enemy. Just as He defeated the serpent in the garden, He's the one who is victorious, and He's given you the victory. How many times has God delivered you in the past? I think we would do well to remember them. There's nothing wrong with recalling them. And it's not that you have to remind the Lord like the Lord forgot. Oh, I'm glad you reminded me about that. I totally forgot about the whole Red Sea thing. Thank you so much. I I had forgotten about that. No, it's, it's more like, God, you did that then. I need you to do that again. I think about David. It's I know I say this, I hope you don't tire of me saying this, one of my favorite accounts in all of the Bible, when he's there on the battlefield, as a teenager by the way, when his father sends him into the battlefield because his three older brothers are there, and there's this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming the name of his God 40 days and 40 nights. David shows up on the battlefield, here's it one time, and says, that's not okay. You guys, did you hear what he just said? Yeah, he's been saying that for 40 days and 40 nights. Let me at him. And here's David's older brother, Eliab, very bitter towards his younger brother, by the way, because he was the heir apparent. He was the one to succeed Saul as king of Israel, but he wasn't. He was very resentful towards David. He's condescending and demeaning. Go back to your little sheep. You're just a boy. Get out of here. What are you doing? This is a battlefield for men. Man, I would have loved to have been there. It's not in the text, but I'm just thinking to myself, David's like, really? Where? Because apparently you guys are okay with this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming God. I'm not okay with that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take his head off. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kill him. I'm going to shut that big ugly mouth of his. 
And so they're like, you better go see the king. So they take him in to Saul, and Saul tries to talk him out of it. Come on, David, I love you, man, but you're just a little boy, and this this guy has been killing people longer than you've been alive, and there's no way. And David's like, no way, <laughs> way. And then finally, he brings up what God did in the past. And he tells Saul, king, with all due respect, I, God has delivered a bear and a lion into my hands. I killed them with my bare hands. This uncircumcised Philistine whom he never calls by his name because Goliath means champion. He's no champion. He's an uncircumcised, blaspheming Philistine. And he he says, if God can do that and God did that, then God can do this. Let me at him. Okay, fine. Tries to put his armor on him. You know the whole story. He says, I'm, I'm sorry, King, again, with all due respect. It doesn't fit. It's not my color. I'm an autumn, and so can I just take my slingshot? And by the way, God had prepared David for that which was prepared for David, because he was really good with a slingshot. You know why? Because he was a good shepherd that had to kill a lot of wolves that would come into that flock. (laughs) Boom. So here he is on the battlefield, and you know how it goes down. (laughs) Goliath goes down, takes his head, cuts it off, all because of what God had done before. David needed God to do it then, again. Last thing, and we'll move on. What has God done in your life in the past. You know how that time when he pulled you through what you thought, man, I'm not getting out of this one. This is how it ends. (laughs) It's, It's game over, man. And God rushed in, and as only he can, he delivered you in a way that you could have never imagined. And it was miraculous in the supernatural. And he did that for you then. What, he's not going to do that for you now? What, is it like, well, I did that then, you're on your own now, kid. Come on, you, you know, that was then, this is now. No. Same God yesterday, today, and forever. He delivered you then, he's going to deliver you now. He delivered the bear and the lion. He's going to deliver the uncircumcised Philistine. Verse 11, So the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing shall flee away. Oh, (laughs) bye-bye. I'd like to say bye to sorrow and sighing. I, verse 12, even I am He who comforts you. Who are you that you should be afraid of a man who will die? 
and of the son of a man who will be made like grass. And verse 13, you forget the Lord your maker, who stretched out the heavens and laid the foundations of the earth. You have feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor when he has prepared to destroy. And where is the fury of the oppressor? The captive, verse 14, exile hastens that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit, and that his bread should not fail. But I am the Lord your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of his, of hosts is his name. That's, uh, bear with me. Stop there before we go into verse 16. You know, replete throughout the Old Testament, we read this time and time again. I am the Lord your God who delivered you out of Israel. The emphasis is on I am the Lord your God, meaning they're not your God. That golden calf that Aaron says he just threw a bunch of gold in the fire and poof, out came this golden calf. That's not the God that delivered you out of, out of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. You know, sometimes I think we need to be reminded that He's the Lord, my God. I am the Lord your God. I'm the one who delivered you. I parted the Red Sea. I am the Lord your God. Did you forget? Did you forget that I created the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that? I did all that. Did you forget? I. I love it when God brags on himself. I. I am. Me. Oh, I am the Lord your God. Verse 16, and I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand, that I may plant the heavens, lay the foundations of the earth, and say to Zion, you are my people. Awake, awake. Now, this is not them responding to God. This is God now in turn responding to them. Awake, awake. Stand up, O Jerusalem. You who have drunk at the hand of the Lord the cup of His fury, you have drunk the dregs of the cup of trembling and drained it out. There is no one to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth, nor is there any who takes her by the hand among all the sons, nor is there any who takes her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. You know what this is? This is what we affectionately refer to as a wake-up call. A wake-up call. Wake up. The Apostle Paul, writing to the Romans, chapter 13, now is the time to awake from your slumber. Wake up. Wake up. You know, sometimes my wife will have to wake me up, and I hate it when she does. I let her know, too. I need to sleep. Why are you waking me up? Oh, I need, I need you to wake up. Why? Oh, that's why you woke, you woke me up for that? Well, here God's saying, wake up. I need, I need you to wake up. Why do you 
need for me to wake up because. And that's what we're going to see. These two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword. By whom will I comfort you? Have you noticed the repetition here of this one word comfort? Do you ever think like that, that God longs and desires to comfort us? He wants to comfort us. Again, I'm going to bring it into the, the living room as a parent. Your uh, child is discouraged and downcast and kids at school picked on them. They will find out where they live. <laughs> That's my kid. Kind of discouraged. I want to encourage them. And I'm a fallen parent. I want to comfort them. They need to be comforted. They need to be hugged. They just need a hug and an encouraging word and a pat on the shoulder and pray with them, pray for them, and encourage them. Because you love them. Well, now let's take that and superimpose it on God's love for us. God wants to comfort us. In fact, He's going to actually wake us up so He can. Wake up. I want to give you some comfort and encouragement. Verse 20, your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets like an antelope in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Therefore, verse 21, please hear this, you afflicted. Wow, that is, is it just me or is that powerful? When God is saying, Please hear this. Please listen to me. How many times has a parent <laughs> said to their child, Listen to me. Listen to me. Please hear this. You need to hear this. You afflicted and drunk, but not with wine. Thus says your Lord, verse 22, the Lord and your God who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling, the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it, but I will put it into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, Lie down that we may walk over you. And you have laid your body like the ground and as the street for those who walk over, which they would actually do. It was the ultimate humiliation whenever they would capture a people. In fact, this is where we get that expression, walk all over you. I think we would be stunned to know how many sayings today came from the Bible? The world totally hijacked that from Scripture. I know Arabs shouldn't use the word hijacked, but that's what they did. They stole it completely. That's where it comes from. It comes from Daniel chapter 7. Remember the account? In fact, we're studying it in Isaiah, the prophecy concerning Cyrus, who would take over Babylon as the Medes and the Persians, 
And it would happen in one night. And here's this Belshazzar, and they're partying, and made the big mistake of taking the utensils, the vessels from the temple in Jerusalem that they had taken to Babylon, and they're drinking and getting drunk out of the the golden cups from the temple. That is uh, not okay either. (laughs) And as they're partying and blaspheming God and worshiping their gods, all of a sudden this hand appears and starts writing on the wall. And the problem is they can't interpret it. So he calls for all of his guys and they're like, I'm sorry, but I can't interpret this. And the Anyway, you come on Sunday. It's so fascinating. The handwriting is on the wall. The world has taken that saying as an idiom to mean that imminent danger is upon us. The handwriting is on the wall. It's just a matter of time. But that's where sayings like this come from. Those who walk all over you. You know what God's saying here? By the way, this is a great ending to our Bible study, right? It's another way for God to say, not only am I going to have the final word, I'm even going to let you in on how I'm going to do it. You know that cup of suffering that you've drunk from? The cup of my indignation as I was disciplining you and chastising you, and you drunk it to the dregs down to the bottom completely. You've drunk deeply from this cup. I'm taking that cup away from you. Say bye-bye to all the grief, all the sorrow, all the pain from that cup of suffering. (laughs) Bye-bye. And you know what I'm going to do with that cup? I'm going to give it to them. Who? Those who afflict you. Oh, can I watch? Um, By the way, Lord, are are they on the list? Because... They should be at the top of the list, actually. And, and you know, we try to help the Lord out, right? Like, hey, Lord, can I send you an email with a PDF file of all of the people that I want you to give that cup to? That's what he's saying. Maybe it's an understatement, and we'll close with this, but God is going to have the final word on everything that's happening. Again, this is how I can sleep at night and wake up in the morning when my wife wakes me up and I want to get up. This is what keeps me sane, is knowing that that day is coming. And God is going to take that cup, and they're going to drink from it. Those who have perpetrated this evil upon the righteous. I've said it before, and I'll say it again lastly. God restrains the evil, and he sustains the righteous. And there is coming a day when the restrainer will no longer restrain. Because 2 Thessalonians 2, the restrainer is going to be taken out of the way when the rapture takes place and we are caught up. And the restrainer no longer restrains. And to say that all hell breaks loose, that's a gross understatement. And this powerful delusion that God himself sends. And it is going to be unspeakable horror once the restrainer is taken out of the way. Think about that. Just that. With what's happening right now, you've heard that expression, you ain't seen nothing yet. Not quite sure where that came from in the scripture, but (laughs) 
you, you ain't seen nothing yet is right. Because this is what's coming. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding of the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.